Hi, I'm Andy Goddard. And I'm John Wakefield. And together we are the directors and producers of Wooden Overcoats. And we just wanted to come on at the beginning of this, because any second we've got a great, great little surprise for you. But we just wanted to come on and say a massive thank you to you all. We make Wooden Overcoats because... We love the fact that people still love radio comedy, love the fact that you guys are listening, and you've just shown how much you love it, and we're so, so grateful to you. Yeah, I mean, um, you're listening to this because we've already hit £2,000 on the Kickstarter, and it, it's frankly overwhelming. It's, it's, it's really lovely. But uh, we really want to make our full 8000 so we can bring a whole series two to you. And to do that, we want to give you a lot of wonderful rewards. Uh, those include special illustrations from Madeline the Mouse, uh, original recordings of read-throughs, and also if you donate £25 to Wooden Overcoats, all the live shows we did last year in London will be made available to you uh, as all the recordings of those with all our wonderful cast returning and the wonderful live audience that came down to the horse and stables. Yeah, we did a cheeky little recording of them just so we could give them to you. Uh, and also, we did a little silly thing a little bit earlier in the year where uh, we were at the uh, Old Red Lion Theatre and we decided to uh, switch it up a bit. And uh, we did the first two episodes of Wooden Overcoats with uh, with uh, the guy who plays Rudyard, Felix Trench, playing Eric, and the guy who plays Eric, uh, Tom Crowley, playing Rudyard. And it, it was odd. It was and odd. And very, very funny. It, it, I couldn't sleep for weeks. Uh, so there is that for you, and we'd love to send that over to you. Uh, and as ever, we're just so grateful for everything you've done for us. Uh, but for now, here's something for you to enjoy. Have fun. Confectionery and crime. The connection, Agatha Doyle. What could be more important to Agatha than jelly beans and walnut whips? The answer is, quite literally, a mystery. This is the village of Piffling Vale, and these are Piffling Lives. Wooden Overcoats presents Agatha Doyle and the Honey Trap. You gave me quite the start. I'm afraid you've caught me with my hand in the cola cubes, as they say. I know you're never supposed to get high on your own supply, but that non-brand-specific cola flavour, sometimes I just can't resist. Well, come in, come in. Gosh, it's been a while since we last had you in the broken tooth. I was beginning to think the lemon drops had got the better of you. Your usual 80 grams? You know... I read somewhere that they can cause hair loss, but there you are. You're a fully grown adult, you can make your own decisions. Still, to be forewarned is to be forearmed. That's why I had that large neon sign made up for the window. We are your funeral! It gave Mr Rudyard fun quite a start when he saw it. Oh God, not another one, he shouted. Strange man. What's that? Sorry? Ah, yes, of course. We've just had a fresh batch in. I knew you'd want some. One jar of Bellows Farm's extra-thick honey. Any thicker and you could build bridges with the stuff. Or at least a small folly. Speaking of folly, we nearly missed out on this shipment. And not that long ago, either. Horatia Bellows' hives were abuzz with worry. A buzz, you see. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha,
It all began one fine June morning in Piffling Vale. The sun was shining, Mayor Desmond strode around in his shortest shorts, and the townsfolk chomped down ice cream cones with a frankly reckless disregard for their own safety. Causes kidney rot, you know. I was in the middle of scolding a small boy for eating a licorice whip, which he'd bought from me 20 minutes earlier, when who should come charging across the square at me but Horatia Bellows herself. Agatha! Agatha! she cried, waving her unusually large hands in the air. What a sight she was, tearing across the village green, sending bystanders and road signs flying with every swing of those enormous paws. Murder! she exclaimed. Murder most foul, Agatha! There's been a horrible murder! I deduced immediately that all was not well. Horatia has been in the confectionery game far longer than I have, and I can tell you she's not one to scream murder in a public place, unless it's a very serious matter, or unless she's been at the gin again. I need your help, she said. Oh, no, I replied. I've left all that detective business behind me once and for all. I'm just a humble sweet shop owner-proprietor, and that's the way I like it. Come on, Agatha, urged Horatia clapping a shovel-like hand on my back and briefly knocking all the breath out of my lungs. You may be retired, but you'd never deprive a defenceless civilian of justice. Now stop gasping for air and follow me. If I hadn't been so focused on trying to breathe again, I might have remonstrated. But Horatia was right. Justice must be done. And, after all, I have always enjoyed a good... mystery... I soon found myself wearing more netting than a production of HMS Pinafore, standing amongst dozens of identical hives in the heart of Bellows Farms, surrounded by fat, buzzing, furry little bullets. Is that one? Horatia said, waving a hand that almost took my head off in the process. Deftly dodging her flailing salami fingers, I approached the hive which she'd singled out. There, behind it, lay the victim, Eyes blank and lifeless. Mouth hanging agape. Legs splayed. All six of them. Poor Gary, sniffled Horatia. Yes, I agreed. But are you certain this is Gary? Can you even be sure it's one of yours? How dare you, Agatha, cried Horatia. I know these hives like the back of my tremendous hands. And even if one of my bees goes missing, I notice it. I could believe that. Honey wasn't just a business for Horatia. It was an art. She was still wearing her first-place rosette from last year's piffling Edible Spreadable Awards. This was not a woman prone to irrationality. At least, not where bees are concerned. I accepted the case. We shook hands... I can still hear my bones crack. And I immediately telephoned Dr Edgware. I need you to inspect this bee right away, I cried. I haven't slept in four days, he protested. Nevertheless, he was there within the hour. He immediately identified the cause of death. Poison. Administered to the base of the neck via syringe. Suspicious, one could say. A professional job. Edgware said. I haven't seen a bee poisoning this skilled in at least six months. 
His post-mortem complete, Dr Edgware promptly collapsed and lay unconscious for several minutes before running off to his hospital rounds. But why would anyone want to kill Gary? I asked Horatia. Somebody's trying to demoralise the hive, she snapped. Gary was a pillar of the community, a true inspiration to the children. The Queen is devastated. The Queen? I gasped. I didn't know the royal family took an interest in small businesses. The Queen Bee, Agatha, Horatia said. She's never been so upset. And look at the rest of them. I saw what Horatia meant. The bees buzzing was a low G minor. The arcs they traced in the air were weaving and lacklustre, like the red arrows on Boxing Day. Think, Horatia, I cried. Who would want to hobble your honey operation? Horatia stroked her chin thoughtfully, nearly breaking her own jaw in the process. Inspiration struck. Sugar Ray O'Hoolihan, she gasped. Well, that was a name I knew very well, believe you me. Sugar Ray was Piffling Vale's most accomplished dodgy dealer, with, I suspected, a very lucrative sideline in unlicensed sweet selling. The market had recently been flooded with counterfeit gobstoppers, and every one of them could be traced back to him. Say no more, Horatia, I said. I'll begin my inquiries straight away. She gave me a thumbs up that could be seen from space, and I left to get out of all that beekeeping gear. It was very hot and made me look like a children's play area. Sugar Ray was mooching around at his usual hangout, the local village bus stop. Approaching quickly and quietly, I had him in a backwards triple headlock before he could say, please don't put me in a backwards triple headlock. He wasn't a happy chappy. I don't know nothing. I never seen him. I never heard nothing about no illegal bath mat smuggling operation, Ray shouted in a stream of extremely incriminating denials. Bellows Farms, Ray, I yelled, stopping him halfway through a particularly saucy denial about turtle fighting. I've got a dead bee on my hands, and this was no accident. It must have been the local village hoodlums, suggested Ray, unconvincingly. The local village hoodlums might have controversial views about the Nouvelle Vague, but they don't inject fast-acting insecticides, Ray, I pointed out. Sure they do, replied Ray. I call those teenagers that hang out on the internet. There's all sorts of weird stuff on the internet. Unable to deny that there is lots of weird stuff on the internet, I changed my approach. Come on, Ray. Admit it. Miss Bellow's farm was doing a little too well. Taking away your business, eh, Ray? I don't know what you're talking about, Ray protested. I whipped his jacket open and a veritable fountain of illicit confectionery poured out onto the pavement. Off-brand marmalades, bootleg bonbons, Jaffa figs. What's the idea, Ray? Are you trying to corner the market for yourself? Perhaps you'll even try to run me out of the business. I tightened my grip on his grubby neck. Ray laughed at me. Use and that... Gammon-fisted bellows lady are out of my league. I'm just an independent businessman trying to earn a crust. I don't want no trouble. Then who killed the bee? I demanded. I say you do what I do whenever I see a discarded fiver blowing down the road. Follow the money. 
I had to admit, the man had a point. Who could stand to gain from this even more than the local competition? And then an idea popped into my head, and I knew what I had to do. Satisfied, I released my grip on Sugar Ray. He dropped to the ground, spluttering a number of oaths acquired from a guilty Catholic upbringing, and I was soon on my way. Later that day, I arrived at the piffling Lawn Bowls, Archery and Petting Zoo Recreation Centre. The day had become ever more bright and sweltering. Around the green, pensioners and goats dozed in striped deck chairs. It would have been an idyllic sight if Gary's murder hadn't been hanging in the air. Ackroyd Thompson, the New Zealand ambassador to Piffling, stood on the green, gripping his bowls firmly yet gently in the traditional fashion. Ah, Miss Doyle, he said. You've just caught me in the middle of a game. Care to join me? I'm afraid I'm here for business, not pleasure, Mr. Thompson, I said. Ackroyd tilted his head inquiringly. He stood tall, glowing and impressive in his whites. The effect was only spoilt by the unfortunate combination of aviator sunglasses and an enormous straw hat, as well as the sound of two sheep mating loudly a few metres away. What can I do for you? he asked. I've been doing some rather interesting reading at the village hall, Mr. Thompson, I replied. The ambassador rolled his eyes. If it's reading you want, the book club meets here on Thursday evenings, Miss Doyle, he replied, a note of sarcasm in his voice. You can inquire about membership at the office. It's Lady Chatterley's lover this week. It's always Lady Chatterley's lover, I reposted. But that's not the point. So what is the point, Miss Doyle? Ackroyd barked. He was losing his cool. A bead of sweat trickled down his chin. Not entirely, I flattered myself to think, because of the heat. Well, it's the strangest thing, Mr. Thompson, I said. Piffling and New Zealand have always enjoyed a very fruitful exchange of goods and comestibles. Long may it continue, Ackroyd interjected. Yes, but it's very interesting to note that New Zealand's most popular export to our island by far is... Honey. I gave him an impressive glare that made his knobbly knees knock. Is it a crime to make delicious honey? He spluttered. But Mr Thompson, who said anything about crime? I stared down the barrel of a fully loaded ambassador. He wisely kept his mouth shut. Bellows Farm Honey was very much the underdog for many years bobbing faithfully along behind a full range of tasty New Zealand products until last year. I don't know what you mean, Ackroyd muttered, swivelling his eyes from side to side and fingering his collar. The piffling Edible Spreadable Awards, Mr Ambassador. A crucial win for Bellows Farms and a crippling blow for New Zealand's honey trade. I paused impressively. Thank goodness it still has its second most popular export, insecticide. If the ambassador reacted, it was only with a slight twitch at the corner of his mouth, and by dropping his bowls directly onto his toes and screaming in agony. I persisted in my attack. The corporate giants, those sweet, sweet honeymakers, have been lagging behind the local competition ever since, and so they bribed you, Mr. Ambassador, into doing something about it. Sabotage wasn't enough. You went all the way, didn't you? All the way to murder. 
Ackroyd remained impressively calm and collected, despite rolling around on the floor, clutching at his feet. Miss Doyle, this is nothing but speculation and conjecture. If you have any evidence linking me to any illegal activity, I'd be very happy to scoff heartily at it. Then scoff away, I cried triumphantly. For I discussed all this with the mayor, who firmly believes that a village cannot become a town when its finest bees are being willfully slaughtered. He promptly called up your government to air my concerns. And what did they find when they checked your bank account but a hefty payment made by the New Zealand Runny Honey Corporation, paid to you this very morning? The corrupt and cowardly ambassador shoved a fist into his mouth and began to weep pitifully. I looked down my nose at him. Admit it, I yelled. I don't want to, he yelled back. And then we found ourselves distracted by a sustained and persistent buzzing. We both looked out across the green. There, approaching fast from the west, a single, solitary bee, charging at us like a bull to an Ernest Hemingway. As it grew closer, I saw that... But no, it couldn't be. cried the ambassador. No! You're supposed to be dead! But it was Gary all right. That noble brow, that tufty fur, Horatio was right. He was unmistakable. Ackroyd tried to bolt for freedom, but immediately tripped and fell into the petting zoo's pig pen. Mistaking him for a wayward piglet, a dozen sows charged over and began nuzzling at his head. Get away, you crazy pokes! I didn't kill anybody! You can't prove it! His quarry thus distracted, Gary went in for the kill. I watched, helplessly from the green. Gary, no, I cried. The strike would mean death for a honeybee. But it was too late. Gary plunged his stinger into Ackroyd Thompson's knee. Ow! The ambassador cried. That quite hurt. Meanwhile, his one and only blow spent recklessly on revenge. Gary collapsed into the swill. Dead. Once again, this time, for good. Cradling Gary's tiny, lifeless body in my hands, I solemnly approached the pig pen. Mr. Ambassador, I'm afraid I'll have to ask you to come with me. And that's really all there was to it. Mr. Thompson was convicted on charges of breaking and entering a hive, attempted destruction of property, and willful emotional damage to an apiarist. His replacement has made reparations to Bellows Farm and informed me that Mr. Thompson has a new role in the New Zealand government. Toilet attendant to the cabinet. And had Gary been a vengeful bee ghost? No! Knowing his business better than his product, Ackroyd had foolishly injected Gary with highly concentrated mosquito repellent, not fatal in bees, instigating only a temporary comatose state, indistinguishable from bee death. A terrible shame about Gary, I know. I broke the news in person to Horatia and her swarm. Twice bee-reft, they were now twice bee-roken-hearted. But Horatia tells me that they'll sleep easier in their bee beds now, safe in the knowledge that justice has been served. As a parting gift, she gave me a complimentary stock of Bellows Farm honey. It isn't quite up to Horatia's lofty standards, but it'd still beat any other brand on the island, hands down.
terrible for the teeth, of course. But look, there, by the best before date. Dedicated to Gary, the bravest bee on the Channel Islands. <laughs> Let me get that bagged up for you. I wonder if the ambassador ever did get any lotion for his knee. Still, that's what you'll find when you go interfering with bees. There's usually a sting in the tail. Honey Trap was written by Tom Crowley and was performed by Alison Skilbeck as Agatha Doyle. The script was edited by David K. Barnes and the music was composed and conducted by James Whittle. The programme was recorded at the RNIB Talking Book Studios and was directed and produced by Andy Goddard and John Wakefield. It was so much fun getting Agatha back on the show and who knows, there might be a little more for Agatha to do in series two. Oh, you cheeky little tease, <laughs> you t- Oh, you cheeky tease. But of course, that can only happen if you wonderful people head along to woodenovergoats.com or our Kickstarter page and help us in any way you can. We'd be so, so grateful. We want to make more of this for you. And if we reach our next funding goal at £4,000, there'll be another Piffling Lives ambling its way into your little podcast feed. Yes, predictable, isn't it? <laughs> slow march of new podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so we hope to speak to you then. Until then, thank you again, and we'll speak to you soon.